Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Welcome back to the third hour of the morning tailgate on this beautiful and perfect Monday. It's the morning tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. Clay Baker, uh, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor, Damon Cotton back at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios in Las Vegas. Awesome to have DC a part of the show, uh, program. Thank you, Damon, for being here. And, uh, you know, a lot to get into in this third hour is we'll take you uh, behind the scenes. We'll, we'll update you on the observations from camp. Heidi will join us at 930 because there's a lot of stories that, and observations that happened last week. But we'll also find out more of like how they become burgeoning stories as you start to approach the end of this week. After the Hall of Fame game, it's then what? And now what to do with the remaining guys on this roster and where they go? 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line. 69187, because you deserve what's right. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at r 920 am And joining us now is Ryan Sakamoto, longtime pro football writer and NFL analyst. Uh, covered the Raiders uh, now here with Beast Rider on Twitter. And it's great having you on, Ryan. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, can't thank you enough. So thank you for having me on. Well, Ryan, yeah, I mean, you've been out there. You've observed a lot. We've all uh, taken a look at practice. And, you know, sometimes the observations we're able to see is like, all right, what are your first priorities? What do you need to see fixed? And I think we've also heard the words from Josh McDaniel saying, stabilizing the offensive line. That's a priority. So when you take a look at how things have kind of developed, how many of last year's starters on the offensive line will start this year? That's a great question. You know, any time that you see Alex Leatherwood running with the twos, and I think that was raising some eyebrows, right, Mm from people around the league, because at some point we thought, okay, Alex Leatherwood is either going to be the starting right tackle or starting right guard. Now he's running with the twos, and you have Brandon Parker being – the right tackle, and now you have at right guard Lester Cotton coming in as the one. So it's really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, getting back to your question, I do think the left side's pretty much stabilized. I think Andre James is going to be the starter there. Obviously, Colton Miller is going to be the rock as the blind side left tackle. Uh, left guard, I think it's John Simpson's. I think it's his to lose. So really, you want to focus on that right side, and I think three of the five starters will be in place in 2022 when all said and done starting week one. You know, when we were uh, getting a chance to uh, speak with Alex Leatherwood on the portions available to the media during minicamp, you couldn't have found a more exciting, like, fired-up guy. I mean, he he <laughs> was so, like, intense and engaged. But then when we saw him um, over the weekend, uh, it, it, looked, it looked like, you know, he was wondering, like, where is my spot going to be? Because when you, all of a sudden you're running with the twos, you're on the outside looking in. How do you think he's able to maybe like compartmentalize this and use this to his advantage by just waiting, being patient, and start getting what they're asking him to do on the number on the twos and threes, and starting to push himself and make itself known that I belong as a starter. You know, that's a great question. I always look at it from a coaching aspect and then from a scouting aspect as well. Is there's three parts to this, right? So the first part is you have to look at the foundational principles of what. GM Dave Ziegler and head coach Josh McDaniels are trying to do. They're trying to build up the Raider way. Tough, physical, smart football players, right? And when we talk about toughness, we always talk about the physical aspect, 
But we never talk about it from the shoulders up, mentally. Are you mentally tough? Can you come back from this? How do you handle adversity? When times are tough, how do you bounce back? These are things that you look for, or what I look for when establishing the Raider way and what they're trying to establish, especially with a young core of players like this, and building that foundational base. So when you look at a guy like Alex Leatherwood, I think what Josh McDaniels is doing is not necessarily putting him in a doghouse or anything like that. I think it's the no one is safe mentality that hmm. no matter your draft status, you have to bring your A game. And I think he's using Leatherwood as kind of the example. It's a mental game to push Leatherwood as nothing is giving and everything is earned. Now, we talked about Lester Cotton. We talked about Brandon Parker plugged in as a starter. Sure. But again, like I said, when I look at it from a coaching aspect, I did the same thing with one of my players when I coached. It was a guy that came in. I was coming in the following year. And when you put two and two together, uh, I really wanted to do something to kind of push that player. And how do I do that? Well, my first preseason, preseason game, he ran with the twos. And then people, players will start talking, hey, why are you running with the two? I don't know, man. You're doing everything right. I don't know. And then from that point on, I put him back with the ones, and then that's when you really shine. Now, I don't know if that's the logic that Josh McDaniels is using, but I can say this. The mental tactic to ensure that Leatherwood understands you need to earn that spot is in full play. And by rolling in Cotton and Parker versus the Jaguars, hypothetically, and let's say one struggles, then you can make the switch to the more obvious choice in Leatherwood the following week. Because you can't afford to do it the other way around because you need continuity along the offensive line where communication is key. So I'm reserving to hit the panic button on Leatherwood simply because the film study will play itself out and I graded Leatherwood every time he kicked inside since week five and he graded at a Pro Bowl level in my grading system. Uh, it's Ryan Sakamoto here covering the Raiders, NFL analyst, pro writer at Beast Rider on Twitter at Beast Rider, uh, you know, that's a thing, like you said, like, and also there's got to be a comfort level with Derek Carr, what he needs to see out of an offensive line. Because at the same time, you know what, you can't go through uh, this part of the year where you're seeing the offensive line, you know, maybe start to, uh, you know, deteriorate a little bit. And, you know, he, he, he finds himself having to run, you know, where he should have at least some sort of semblance of stability. And, and I, that's why, I mean, he talked about Lester Cotton on Saturday. It was so glowing. Like, he was like, I am so proud of him <laughs> because he remembers him from those days in Alameda during the training camps. And even last year, John Gruden was like, Keep your eye on Lester Cotton. That guy has come a long way. Well, from wherever he was last year, he has jumped much further ahead because everyone has a lot of confidence in Cotton. Yeah, and Lester Cotton's a power, power-based power run guy, right? So, again, you're going to a different scheme and coming from Roll Tide Roll, I mean, he's a Roll Tide Roll fan, but, you know, Lester Cotton, Alex Leatherwood, those two guys are very smart. They're very smart players, and when you transition from a zone-blocking scheme to a power-based run scheme, I tweeted this out earlier, you know, that the techniques that you're being taught are a lot different. Luckily for Lester Cotton, it's in his favor to play in a power-based run scheme. I think that's going to prove well. And Lester Cotton, I have to say, the guy is killing it. I mean, the guy is killing it on the field. And I can't wait to see week, uh, <clears throat> this, excuse me, this week versus Jaguars and see how he really shines. Yeah, Ryan, you know, you think about how uh, the offensive line, you know, what you want to make sure that you feel really good with your guys, but how much really should they play during the preseason? I mean, you got a new system. You got the zone, like you said, the zone blocking scheme, the zone runs. Uh, and obviously, Josh McDaniels wants to get off to a good start, but you got to, you know, also kind of be a little careful about the attrition of what injuries could do. How much of preseason time do you think you'll see some of these guys uh, out there? Maybe not for the exhibition game, but perhaps by uh, the Vikings game, the first uh, home preseason game in about 10 days from now yeah 
you know, Josh McDaniels talked to this, alluded to this earlier, and he said, you know, they're going to work that out. Typically, I mean, this is my 10th training camp covering an NFL team and, and under numerous coaching staff, but what, what I think is going to happen with Josh McDaniels is I think he's going to roll the starters early on, but then kind of not play them like maybe not even a half, like maybe just the first few drives mm-hmm. and just see how they get acclimated to one another. Because, again, the offensive line is not set. Usually, you know, if you had an offensive line that was stable, like let's say the Indianapolis Colts, right? Let's say like a team like that that's already set with the offensive line. Um, you have you have that in place. But if you're a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, who has a young core of offensive linemen, same thing with the Raiders, and you kind of play this game of musical chairs, you kind of need to rotate these players anyways. And so what I think is going to happen is, again, you're going to see Lester Cotton and Brandon Parker maybe play a little bit more than the other players because you want to see how they do on that right side together because you have to communicate, you have to make line calls. Andre James has to make those calls or whoever's lined up at center, whether it be Dylan Parham playing backup, which I think is going to get a lot of playing time, um, whether it be center or on either guard positions. But getting back to the offensive line continuity and how much they'll play as a unit, it is key, and I think it's going to be coming more into fruition as a whole, like you said, maybe toward the Vikings game as opposed to this week versus the Jaguars. You know, Ryan, that's a, I, I like what you're saying there because it's, you, you, you don't want to go for too far. But then again, I think we hear guys like, you know, Josh McDaniel saying that he wants, you know, he wants attention to detail. He still wants to know, uh, are you going to be able to block? Are you going to be able to get open? All those things on offense, you know that he's going to be predicated for. But what are your biggest concerns on the other side of the ball for the Raiders defense? We're already starting to see, you know, of course, when you've got Big Hank and, um, uh, you got, uh, Jonathan Hankins and Bilal Nichols on the pup list. So, when Kyle Fackrell goes out, Micah Kaiser uh, uh, leaves as well uh, yesterday. So it's like, it makes you wonder, like, all right, what is your biggest concern for the Raiders' defense before guys were starting to get injured and were on the pup list? Yeah, yeah it's kind of, I don't know if the word depressing or, or getting the wind knocked out of you, but it's a huge blow when you lose Bilal Nichols, Jonathan Hankins, especially in my estimation, I know Patrick Graham told me, uh, but they're not transitioning to a 3-4, but I see a 3-4 base defense. So when you look at sure. that, that's huge, right? You have guys who can two-gap. They already know how to leverage their splits. They know how to clip. These things in any 3-4 defense or any two-gap system, you're going to have to be able to be able to do those different things. Now, when you have a rookie like Neil Farrell who comes in and you have a, a you know Butler who, come in, who comes in and all these, all these other players like Peko and so forth, now you have to figure out, okay, Who's going to be my nose tackle? Who's going to be my defensive tackle on the right side or the weak side, right? Who can do these different elements that we ask them to do? Two-gapping is two-gapping. But at the same time, you need to ID the ball carry in the backfield in order to free up the second-level backers to flush plays back inside or outside. So it all starts up front for me, building teams from the inside out. So on the defense side of the football, that's what I look for first and foremost, especially in the heart of the 3-4 base defense. Now, to me, the biggest question mark is Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram has been a liability in pass coverage since he came into the league. Graded him ever since he came into the league, and he's a huge run support guy. But in pass coverage, and I see it in training camp, I don't see a difference in learning the fundamental techniques that they're coaching that he can actually break on the ball in a timely manner. I just don't see it from Jonathan Abram yet. Now, can that happen? Sure. But, again, that strong safety position for me 
is going to be a liability because, again, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option for a reason. And if you're a first-round pick, it doesn't matter the regime. If you can get someone on a fifth-year option who you see potential in, you're going to want to keep him in-house. You're not going to want to negotiate that fifth-year deal. Um, I got Sorry, a player on that CBA um, sure. four-year deal with a fifth-year option. So I, Jonathan Abram, to me, is a question mark. The boundary quarterbacks, I think, is actually going to be one of the focal points because, again, the boundary quarterbacks talked about it with Nate Hobbs earlier. I like that cornerback position. I like Rock Justin. I like Nate Hobbs for the scheme. One guy who no one is talking about, I know he's on the PUP, but Trayvon Mullen was graded out as a Pro Bowl player in my grading system outside of week one last year before getting injured. I know it's a small sample size. I know it's only four games, but Trayvon Mullen to me has Pro Bowl skill set and he's in the contract year, so hopefully he can see the field. I don't know when, but uh, hopefully before the first half of the season is uh, concluded. Maybe maybe after the bye week. Yeah, yeah maybe after the bye week, uh, you hope to have it because it makes you wonder, like, how serious is that foot injury? Yeah. And, but at the same time, we know right. that guy plays with a, uh, a great heart and very physical. But then again, as you brought up, let's take a look even a little further. Like, guys who are on contract at these positions, they're not many, you know. Uh, of course, you got yeah. Nate Hobbs uh, in the second year, Trayvon Merrig. But, you know, after that, you got Tyree Gillespie and everyone else, Amik Robertson to a certain extent, everyone else, they're all on one-year contracts. And even to further that point, so is Patrick Graham. So you, you <laughs> have to go and find some guys that are going to be there next year. And also, how, how strong is your ability to go and evaluate the, these positions now to see, all right, do we offer them another contract? But at the same time, uh, you got guys that have been really showing out. Isaiah Polamau uh, from USC, everyone's been talking uh, some really rave reviews about what he's been able to do. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot to look for, not only to evaluate guys who are ready to play now and, and win you football games, but who else is going to be around for next year? Because you don't want to let any too much talent go out the door on the practice squad. Very, very good point, yes. And that's GM Dave Ziegler's job, right? So right now, again, I want to make it a point, is there may be 90 guys, uh, especially on the Raiders roster, but mm-hmm. there's another 2,000 prospects that the scouting department is going and working with. So again, when you look at what the Raiders are trying to do. They're trying to field the best 22 players. You always talk about them, and you always talk about the cultural identity of the team, accountability, the buy-in, whatever whatever slogan you want to use, iron sharpens iron. But at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is field the best 22 on the football field. And I think GM Dave Ziegler has done a tremendous job in doing that and making sure everyone's a scheme fit for what they're trying to do moving forward. Uh, speaking with uh, Ryan Sakamoto here, follow him on Twitter at Beast Rider. He covers the Raiders. Uh, and you see how uh, when you got guys that kind of get injured and you want to see, all right, let's get some extra reps for everybody. For the outside linebacker position, you know, with Kyle Fackrell going down, that allows, you know, maybe more time for guys like Clee Farrell and Jerry Green. Uh, of course, uh, you know, Malcolm Koontz on the other side. But, you know, if, if Clee Farrell is, is kind of dinged up too, uh, how much uh, uh, guys are how much reps are these guys getting, and how many will we see come Canton uh, on, on Thursday? Uh, it makes you wonder, like on that outside linebacker position on the edges, uh, are they getting a little thin there? Oh yeah, no, for sure they're getting thin there. And again, Chandler Jones has been injured too, right? Mm-hmm. So he's out. So uh, you look at the outside linebacker position in that thirty-four base defense. I know again, Patrick Grant hasn't said, you know, we can go yeah. one week to the next. And, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 just gonna, I'm just going to say 3-4. Yeah, yeah, I think so that's okay. Anytime you, yeah, anytime you have a 34-base defense and you look for that, that player in the two-point stance, I think it's a blessing in disguise for these younger players. All right? These younger players, if you're listening, look, just be 
tough physical and know your assignment and be able to cross function on any given play, right? Be able to be smart enough to know where your help is, be able to know how to box and spill, whether kicking the play back inside or kicking it outside based on your help and the leverage behind you. See, these are things that you look for. So I think Raider fans should be excited, excited, because now these young players really get a shot at going against some of the ones, some of the two. So now you're seeing the apples-to-apples comparison. If a player is in a bind, can he fill in in a spot duty situation? Can he understand his leverage and split and not kill the play by losing his assignment mentally? In the fourth quarter, mentally, when you're mentally drained, do you still have what it takes to stack and check with the best of them? These are things that I look for in the coaching aspect of it, and I think these young players need to go ahead and look at this and say, hey, look, this is an opportunity for me to really showcase my skill sets, not only the Las Vegas Raiders that they don't want me, but the other 31 other NFL teams as well. Hey, that's a conversation. I think that is extremely relevant right now and will be in the next couple of weeks. Hey, lastly, Ryan, I want to ask you a question on, on the number three wide receiver. Uh, we heard Derek Carr speak very glowingly about Keelan Cole, Demarcus Robinson, and Matt Collins. But then again, there's Tyron Johnson uh, doing a, a exemplary work that everyone is really very uh, excited to see, just not only his hands, his quickness, but how quickly he's been able to do what everyone's asked him to do so far. How do you think this is going to play out, and how do you think, like, oh, could the Raiders, you know, last year they only had five wide receivers. Would they go six? Yes. My answer is absolutely yes. Yes. Okay. This wide receiver group is stacked. Stacked from top to bottom. And I don't mean, I don't just take that lightly, right? I would say yes, they're going to keep six wide receivers. If I had to, if I had to take a guess and go to Vegas and place a bet, I would say yes. Because you have Devontae Adams, obviously Hunter Renfro, and you get you bring in guys like Keel and Cole, and I know some of these other wide receivers. Tyron Johnson. I mean, how can you? This guy is <laughs> he's fun to fun to watch. I'm just watching him. <laughs> like, man, this guy can play, you yeah. know. And it's, if I'm seeing it, and other people are saying it, there's something to that, right? The coaches are not dumb. They're not going to be like, oh, well, it's just you know, no. He's going to be someone who they're definitely going to give targets to, especially in this preseason because they want to see what he can do with the ball with the ball in his hand and so far so good for Tyron Johnson I think they keep this yes Oh, I love it. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Beast Rider. Uh, does such a great job covering the Raiders here. And, uh, man, thanks again for coming on today. I know you want to get out to practice. Thank you again for your time, Ryan. And uh, let's do this uh, next week, man. We'll, we'll get you on again, and we'll see, like, where the dust falls after the Canton game and as they approach perhaps their real preseason matchup against the Vikings. Sounds good, my man. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. It's Ryan Sakamoto here with us at Beast Writer on Twitter, covering the Raiders. Longtime writer with uh, CBS Sports as well as Bleacher Report. And that's the thing. Like, you know, I see that a little bit on the text line, 69187, the Sam and Ash text line, about, hey, if everyone loves, number one, Tyron Johnson so much, uh, is there a spot for him on special teams? Well, I don't know. Not so fast because, you know, people really like what Darius Phillips can do on special teams, he when he was with Cincinnati, uh, he could uh, do punt returns and kick returns. He's kind of like your um, you know reserve uh, you know a slot back uh, behind Nate Hobbs, but he can play in many positions in, in, in safety and corner. But Darius Phillips is a guy that may already have that kind of locked down as kick returner, punt returner, and of course you got Hunter Renfro. And Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake spoke last week about you know how much important it is for him to be you know get his return game going. 
So it's not just set in stone that you can go and move a guy like Tyron Johnson and be your de facto punt returner. And maybe as your sneaky, you know, six wide receiver, it'd be interesting to see how this all works out. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Demon Cotton back in the studio. I'm Clay Baker, and we'll take your phone calls at 702-365-9200, and we'll go over some of the updates that we're seeing on the field at Raiders training camp here on Raider Nation Radio. Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio's morning tailgate here. As we broadcast live from the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson, Nevada. I'm Clay Baker, and alongside me, my co-host, Heidi Fang. It's Clady time. Clady! All right. All right, you were out there. You saw the stretching. You saw the first portions of uh, practice. Uh, let's start with people who are there and people who are not. There's a lot of people not there, okay. which is still a little concerning considering Chandler Jones has missed multiple practices now. Same with Darren Waller. Mm. Britton Brown also out. A um, lot of cornerbacks not at practice today. Meek Robertson, Rocky Asin, Anthony Averett, and as well as a safety, Roderick Team are still missing since his collision with Jonathan Abram and... Uh, yeah, apparently the Raiders have gone on because Micah Kaiser was carted off the field yesterday during a uh, practice session. It was a non-contact injury. Oh, no. uh, I, for one, actually did not witness the injury uh, firsthand, but I did see the cart with him and that he had left. So the Raiders have added, and per our insider, Vinny Bonsignor, a linebacker in Curtis Bolton, who has been a childhood fan of the Las Vegas Raiders. So he put that out on Twitter. Curtis Bolton said, I just signed with my childhood team. My team, my pops was a diehard fan for, ain't gonna lie, I shed a tear or two. It's a blessing just to officially wear this gear. God is good to the persistent long live Kurt and has anchor. Oh, Must good. be a sailor. That's good. Curtis <laughs> Curtis Bolton, welcome. Uh, mm -hmm. Played a little with uh, the Lions last year, but uh, this is a guy that, you know, Six foot, 220, he's, he's going to fill a role right away. Micah Kaiser uh, was expected to kind of compete for a strong, you know, to at, at least a role where he was going to be in the reserves and he was going to be somebody as a great depth piece, possibly even a spot starter. So Curtis Bolton uh, coming in now, and, yeah, you're starting to see, like, uh, you know, it's the normal kind of, like, attrition. You just want to know, are these, like, the normal kinds of days off that Darren Waller would normally get? Um, but at the same time, and Chandler Jones as well, right? Yeah, so Chandler Jones now, I believe since last Thursday, we haven't seen him. Okay. So at first I thought Veteran Day, like, I, again, I kind of lose track of my days here. But if I'm keeping track, I believe this makes four practices that he has not been at. So that would be Thursday's practice and Friday. We didn't have practice. No practice Saturday, Friday. Sunday, yep. he was missing. Today, four. Boom. Boom. I am right. <laughs> and uh, how many injuries are uh, attributed to uh, Jonathan Abrams' uh, <laughs> play on Well, practice? you know, I, I thought I had seen him in a rep with Amik Robertson, and Amik Robertson left holding onto his leg. Oh, man. Um, he shook it off for the most part. This was indoors, I want to say, on Saturday's practice. He shook it off for the most part, so he really didn't seem to struggle that much, but it must be something enough that nicked him that he needs a day of rest. Okay. Uh, he then uh, went back to the sidelines, and I don't remember seeing him in any drills after that. That was a meek. Jonathan Abram did have a collision with Roderick Teamer. Uh, Abram returned. Teamer has not. Uh, that's the thing. Like at this time of the year, when you're not able to make practice uh, for uh, health reasons, you know, that forces other guys more reps. And it makes you wonder, all right, I'll, 
how, how healthy is that going to be? Because uh, are they going to have to continue to add some bodies? Because this is a, an exhibition game coming up. It's just an exhibition. So it yeah. doesn't really matter who plays. Yeah. You just want guys to go in and play as that clock runs and nobody gets hurt. Yeah, we want to see the competition there too, which is interesting because Jerry Green uh, has been taking a lot of the reps behind uh, Chandler Jones's spot with Max. Jerry! So, seeing Jerry Green out there on the field a lot, uh, he's been pressing the action, so maybe he's somebody we see a little bit more of in the spot. And I, They were doing some really cool drills today, Clay. Really cool drills. Soccer yeah. balls for the D linemen. And they were trying to tip it like it was football. You know, I guess it's easier to throw soccer balls around, around if you're Rob Ryan. And then there's or maybe there's some other reason that I'm I like that. not 100% yeah, sure yeah. on why you would, as opposed to a football, use the soccer ball. Maybe the target mm -hmm. bigger. Uh, but on the flip side, Antonio Pierce had tennis balls for the linebackers and he was grounding them like oh, on, really? and then the linebackers had to get some agility to adjust to pick up the tennis ball as it was going through the turf so that was some interesting stuff out there today tennis balls and soccer balls at a football practice hey that's intense actually because <laughs> you know what you need to find agility you need yeah. to find like where are we at with everybody because we know you can do the normal football stuff but when game time situation comes in like how quick can you be on the balls of your feet yep exactly and that's what i think that you're going to see more of when there's a you know drill for a lost football a fumble if you will whether you're trying to recover it, whether you're trying to make sure that you can can get it out of the field of play if somebody else is trying to collect that football 100%. or you know yes. whatever needs to be done in a case where there's a turnover. How do you react? How quick is your reaction time? And those are things that you're seeing with these drills that are, again, putting them in situations that are going to happen. How high can you go for that soccer ball to be able to tip it with the a touch of your finger or gliding over it just just ever so much to change the trajectory of that ball. Those are things that I think about when you're just going up against a line and a front and you're a defensive lineman and you need to get up enough to be able to make a play. I love it. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Heidi and I will give you more updates from what we've been able to see to the portions available for media for this training camp practice. All that and more on Raider Nation Radio. Heidi and Clay here with you wrapping up this Monday edition. Thanks again to DeMond Cottonback in the studio, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. And we'll take some calls at 702-365-9200 and get your thoughts. We'll go over more updates from what we were able to see from practice. Let's go out to the phone, 702-365-9200 with Gwarab. Gwarab, how are you, man? Great to hear from you again. Hey, what's happening, guys? Hey, hey what's thinking. going on? All right. All right. Well, I know that Vinny knows the kind of person I am about my Raiders, and I'm always hard on the Raiders, and I'm always going to be hard on the Raiders. And I'm starting to hear now. The injuries are starting to come in, I'm starting, and there's some that are pending, right? Is that true? That well, are pending? Well, uh, pending, like, well, oh, there's, yeah, there's no, the pup list. Like, like yep. We don't know where, where, like, Waller and all, you know, we don't know yet about the, right, uh, no, Waller. Right, no, we or don't have the place. exact, okay, no, definitions. We have. Right. And, uh, well, like, I, like I've been always telling Vinny, I, I, I'm always talking about, we, this with Leatherwood and the uh, right tackle, I've been trying to tell Vinny that we, we, we definitely why, – why haven't we gone out and gotten a veteran right tackle that we could be sure of that would actually be someone that can actually come in and fill that role for that side of the Raiders? And plus, not only that, actually the um, – and actually I talked about the linebackers too. Our linebackers are kind of thin too now, right? Is that true? 
Linebackers are seeing, I think, just a couple. Like Micah Kaiser it was a big injury, and then now they just have uh, brought in another linebacker. So I don't think that it's really that thin right now at linebacker. I think you're going to be all right uh, as they start to fill out positions. You still have guys like Jayon Brown out there. There's Denzel Perryman out there. There's other guys that are going to be able to step up when they need to for different situational plays. So I wouldn't be too concerned yet about anything. It's early in training camp. None of the injuries have been defined yet as far as being long-term. So they might miss some practices, but I don't think yet it's time to pull the, the red alarm and go hair on fire. So we're, I think at this point, just waiting, seeing and hoping that they come back healthy. So, I mean, so, I mean, so, so the right tackle, I mean, is there, can we do something about that? Can we actually maybe think about picking someone up? Well, I'll tell you this, and, and thank you for the call, Gorb. It's great to hear your voice again. And, um, you know, let's take a look at what happened last week. A free agent uh, offensive lineman, Riley Reef, oft injured and well-traveled. A guy that's never been a guy that could say dependable for all games. He signed a contract that was worth up to $12 million alone. I see what you're saying. Why don't we find a proven name, somebody who's got a little more experience? I, I know that they have looked at that. I am absolutely confident that they have looked at that and done some pros and cons of, of those who are out there. But $12 million to spend, one thing's for sure, they don't want to spend too much on this offensive line. They want to equate some money to other parts of the team where they know they can get a better return of investment, or you know, at least a, where you're getting like a better return on more of a, a clarified position. But they seem to be very confident in the guys that they saw uh, out of minicamp to be in that mix as starters. But one thing's for sure is that uh, one false move and you get a couple injuries, they're just going to be looking around and they're going to have to go shopping. Well, right now at right tackle, they have had a lot of rotation. Alex Leatherwood today did get in some first and second team reps from what I had seen just as before I came up uh, as they're out there right now and doing some of the drills. They're having different guys rotate in on the line at different times. So okay. there's still not a lot solidified, but for the most part, what I've seen over the course of the past week in the terms of the starting offensive line, and I say starting just very tenuously because it's really not set, and there's still guys competing, especially Leatherwood, for positions out there. But as of right now, right tackle, it's been mostly Brandon Parker, mm-hmm. and then you have John Simpson, then Andre James, Lester Cotton, and Colton Miller. That is your offensive line from right to left. So as you start to think about the competition right now, you're seeing Dylan Parham get in there and compete. You're seeing Alice Leatherwood get in there and compete. There, Munford is still competing. There's uh, Jermaine Illuminor is still competing sure. at the right tackle spot. Bars is out there. Yeah, Alex Bars. So lots of different guys. Jackson Barton that have come in. Uh, Hornus Grouse. Yeah. I'm trying to say the name right. <laughs> uh, it's just a lot of the guys that are still out there. Some are obviously leaning more at the second team. And we have seen a lot more Leatherwood with the second team. But today he is getting first team reps. So there's still that open rotation there at that position. I don't know at this time that they would go out for anybody. I think if they are not happy with anything that comes out of actual game time play, like in the preseason, that they start thinking about, well, is there a veteran out there? But right now I think they want to wait and see what they do have before they go and hit a panic button. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of encouraged to see Grasso again out there competing for a spot, you know, even if it's a reserve center. Like he's he's finding some time there that he's carving out a role for himself. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred is a number. Let's get out to Las Vegas with Raiders sixty six. Good morning, sixty six. 
Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Hey, All right. How are you? Great. I'm doing. I'm always doing great when I'm talking about the Raiders. Now you get Raiders. You guys uh, open up the thing with the you know the past and the, the Hall of Fame and everything like sure. that. But first, I'd, I'd like to give a quick shout out to uh, Raider Man uh, doing that podcast. Uh, you know to make awareness on uh, suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. I I can't wait to meet that guy. I mean, he and our own uh, local Raider Reggie. I mean, they give back to the community. They are the true heroes of Raider Nation, and they're just fantastic people. And uh, Raider Man, keep collecting those dust collectors because you deserve every single one of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Jim Plunkett, he was, uh, when we got him in uh, 78, he was just short of his 31st birthday, but he didn't really play much. Al just sat him down because he knew that he'd kind of been battered and just uh, wanted to get his wits about him, get back to strength. So by the time he actually had any... Uh, significant playing time in 80 he was almost 33 years old so uh you're talking and back then that's not what it was now it would be 33 but uh you're talking about um you know the hall of famers and and a lot of raiders you know are getting overlooked and all that kind of stuff yeah the, the halls just they need to get their act together but i did some looking and and prospectively the bears have the most they've got 35 okay and then uh, the 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 packers and the rams are tied with 33 the Washington team has got 32, the Giants 31, and we t- pull into a tie with Pittsburgh at 30, and we break a tie that we had with the 49ers. They only got one guy going this year, so they only have 29. But, Clay and Heidi, if you put that into perspective, the Raiders didn't start operation until 1960. Great point. All these other teams, I mean, you look, look at the, the Bears, 1920, Packers, mm-hmm. 1919, Rams, 37, Washington, 32, Giants, 35, Pittsburgh, 33. They've all got decades head start on the Raiders, and we are right up there with them. So, yes, we're getting overlooked, but the Raiders are, are, are just, you know, well-respected in the Hall of Fame community. And it's not just us that get overlooked. Last year when, when Cliff was, you know, struggling to get in, I looked at some of the people that were most overlooked. There's a guy that played for Cincinnati. His name's Ken Riley. He is in the top five all-time NFL interceptors. He is not in. He doesn't even get talked about. He has got 65 interceptions in his career. There's only four guys that have more. And Charles Woodson tied him when he, when he retired with 65. So, yeah, it, it's other, other teams, too. I mean, anytime you're top five in a significant category in a major sport, you should be in the Hall of Fame. If it takes you 65 years to get 65 interceptions, it should be like a lifetime achievement or at least. That's just, that's just criminal. So, yes, the Hall needs to be fixed. So, you guys, thanks for the time. That's all um, I got. Thank you. Have a great day. Go Raiders. Thank you so much, Raider 66, for the historical perspective. Yeah, if a guy like Ken Riley played now, uh, that'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. As we know, the kind of predication and priority everyone puts on interceptions these days. And then again, you go back to Lester Hayes, too. Like, you just say, like, why? Why? Nancy Kerrigan. Okay. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, Raider 66, you're right. With the day and moment you meet Raider 60, Raider Man, it'll be, it'll be, it'll change your life for the better. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We got a, a couple more comments from the text line 69187 and Twitter. All that and more with Heidi and Clay as we update you from training camp here at the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on RNR 920. Oh, yes. Mr. Perfect. Devon Cotton back in the studio. I love it. Good stuff, <laughs> Current heading somewhere going, hey, what happened to me? Back here on Raider Nation Radio, it's the morning tailgate. Uh, it's the last practice before the Raider, uh, Raiders team travels to Canton tomorrow. 
Uh, back on the question about linebacker, though, Heidi, because, uh, you know, we got the call about, you know, being thin at linebacker. Uh, Gorb was a little worried, you know, after Micah Kaiser. But, you know, there, there could be some room for concern. There has been some additions. Yeah, you know, I forgot all about the fact that Kyle, or, uh, Kyle Fackrell also went out. So, yeah, there were more than one. So I wanted to clarify that. And then also, Vinny, what did you see from the new linebacker today? Uh, a lot of um, standing around, getting instruction. Um, and, and remember, uh, we've got a game on Thursday, and a lot of these guys aren't going to play. So you need bodies to get get you through games. Micah Kaiser's injury, I don't want to, um, you know, make any assumptions, but it didn't look good uh, yesterday. So they immediately signed another inside linebacker, presumably uh, to replace uh, Micah right now. And when you're talking about the outside linebacker, uh, where that was the position that Kyler uh, Fackrell was mm-hmm. was playing. Um, you know, you still have Jerry Green, who's been out there. Uh, Myron, uh, the USC uh, mm-hmm. or uh, Notre Dame kid, uh, is still out there. Um, Tayshawn Bauer, that's a name that I've been told to keep an eye on, and Malcolm Kuntz and Zach uh, Van Vecklenburg. Yes, uh, those are the outside well linebackers right now. So I don't think even with Kyler going down, I don't think they're too uh, angst at that position. Okay. Uh, but that inside linebacker spot where Michael went down, uh, they obviously felt they, they needed another body to get him through, uh, and that's where uh, the new linebacker from Oklahoma, uh, Curtis Bolton, uh, number 36 on your roster, was out there today, uh, California kid, and as he tweeted, this is his, he just signed with his dad's team, so he shed a couple of little tears when he put that uniform on today. That's cool. I, I think a lot of players have that when they first start wearing the silver and black. It's not unlike when you, uh, you know, when you see in baseball how certain players, they'll put on the pinstripes when yeah. they join the Yankees. All of a sudden they feel like, you know, like this great emboldened like you know, like an upstar, like oh, wearing these colors are great. Without question, we, we even heard like how uh, when Kenyon Drake got signed last year, yeah. like how great he loved it. He's yeah, like, I look great in black. No, exactly. You know who looks great <laughs> in silver and black right now? Nate Hobbs. Oh yeah. Um, there was a goal line um, uh, segment where he was locked up with Devonte Adams, and twice, twice, and we're talking about just one on one. I mean, it was a eleven on eleven. Uh, but but he he trails um, uh, Devonte into the end zone. Devonte uh, turns right. Doesn't miss a step. Um, forces an incomplete pass. Nate Hobbs does. Devontae actually kicked the pylon. Uh, he wasn't mm-hmm. real happy with it. So <laughs> about five minutes later, uh, same uh, period. And again, they're locked up on, on each other. I kept I, Mental note, I said to Q, watch Devontae Adams on this. He's going to have a little something for the young kid. And sure enough, he beats him. Uh, he cut left this time in the middle of the end zone. And he, he lost him for a second. But Nate Hobbs, being the innate football player that he is, did not give up. Quickly turned, batted the ball down. That's what you're supposed to do. Find the ball, make wow. the play, don't give up. Two tremendous reps by Nate Hobbs, the young quarterback, against uh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I love to see him continue to rise and rise. Nate Hobbs Good always player. has a, uh, an answer if you want to see, like, all right, Speaking surprise of me again. Oh, Heidi's Denzel got some great Perryman stuff. got some air today. Yeah, uh, check this out later on uh, <laughs> at VegasStation.com and at Heidi Fang on Twitter. Uh, Heidi's just uncovering some great snaps she has, and Denzel looks like he's like four and a half feet above the uh, above the Accurate. ground. There. Yeah. yeah, it looks like David Lee Roth back in the old days. <laughs> oh, Jalen, jump, jump! Uh, any concern level to see uh, Chandler Jones out for perhaps a you know third straight practice? Uh, I- I, I'm not getting any sense that okay. it's anything real serious. I think it's with, not imperative really too much for Chan. Here's the deal with Chandler Jones to me. He just needs to get through the season. <laughs> right. This is not – none of this is going to yeah, matter. I mean, right. now, if – and if it was something serious, I think we would have – something would have bubbled to the top uh, okay. uh, by now. So, uh, so no, it's something that they're obviously dealing with and monitoring. And, um, uh, you know, he's not been on the field at, uh, as a result. But for him, it's play 17 games at the highest level possible uh, and then some playoff games as well.
Follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi at Heidi Fang, and part of VegasNation.com. Great information each and every day uh, from the practices as the Raiders will travel to Canton, Ohio tomorrow. And we'll keep you more abreast of what happens today here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, on r 920, we'll have JT the Brick from 12 to 2, as well as Q Myers from 2 to 5. It's all part of your day here on a Monday. Thanks again to DeMond Cotton back at the studios. I'm Clay Baker. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.